Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Judy Sedgman, and I'm a psychologist, and I'm speaking to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. But I'm here with my dear friend and wonderful, wonderful colleague, and I think brilliant therapist, Christine. (laughs) I'm Christine Heath, and we're both so funny when we introduce each other on these. We both get so embarrassed, like, oh, my God. Like, if we could see ourselves as each one of us sees us, uh, I think we'd be much more confident. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's always good to have a friend that sees the real you. Yes, yes it is. It, it, it gets you out of your own thinking. Yeah. So I'm Christine Heath. I'm a marriage and family therapist. I live in Hawaii, and I am so thrilled to be doing these once a week. We're happy to be here with you. And today, we're going to talk to you about the spiritual nature of the three principles versus beliefs. And I think this is something that uh, confuses a lot of people when they first start talking to us about our work and we talk about principles and uh, we don't call them beliefs or theories or ideas. And and I've had many, many encounters, especially in the academic world with people that say, you know, how come you just don't admit that this is just another theory? Well, the difference between principles and just another theory or belief or idea is that beliefs and ideas are after the fact. They're things that people make up. So there's, uh, and principles are discovered. Principles are truths about the universe that are discovered. And once discovered, they change the way people think about certain things. So for example, uh, Let's use the first principle of thermodynamics, which was what allowed people to rub two sticks together and get a fire, friction. And without going into the science, people discovered that very early in humanity. They discovered how to make a fire and that fire was important to them. It kept them safe. It kept them warm. It allowed them to make their food taste better. But they had no idea that there was anything behind it. They just saw how to do it. So they would say, well, you know, they would have gods of fire or, you know, the fire comes from some, you know, external thing. You know, they would be praying to the to the fire producer or whatever. And they wouldn't they wouldn't have a clue that it's just a principle of the universe that friction creates warmth. But when it became a scientific discovery and it became a principle and people understood the nature of friction then it had a million applications. You know, people could start to see, oh, friction, that's not just because it makes fire when you rub two sticks together, but it has all other kinds of implications for in travel and industry and all kinds of things. So when you see the principle behind something, it's not something you made up. It's something that people discover that explains something they've been doing all along. So it's been, it's been at work in the universe. A principle has been in, at work in the universe from the beginning of time or the beginning of the universe, and then we stumble into it. 
And people are always looking for first principles and they discover them. You know, there's all the principles of physics were discovered. Nobody said, you know, that uh, a, like, um, Newton didn't, didn't invent gravity. He discovered gravity. He saw, he, he made observations and he saw certain repeating patterns and he suddenly realized, oh, uh, you know, there's something, there's some force behind this and that's why objects fall. It's not like he just made up gravity and then said things started falling. So here's the thing. When people make up beliefs, then they start finding evidence for them. Whereas principles are discovered by the observation of evidence that's already there. So, you know, things are happening in a way that's, and they explain everything in their own sphere. Whereas beliefs are always being changed because as people are observing and trying to find evidence for their beliefs, they see things that are contrary to their beliefs. So now they have to change their beliefs to accommodate the outliers. So that, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, that, I, that I was going to say is that, that that is an important thing, I think, to, to recognize when people are looking and exploring the principles because we talk about Sidney Banks and, you know, that he was the discoverer of the three principles, but people often then start thinking of him as the creator of the three principles, and that's not true. Yeah, that's really important. But, you know, the, the other thing about um, our beliefs is like you can see the example of this in psychology. There are like, I think, over 400 now different treatments for the same problem. So if you come in with depression and you go to 400 different therapists and they all have four different ways of treating you, you you'll get whatever that therapist believes to be the treatment or the way of, of helping you. But there's not any unifying principles underneath that. That's what um, I think uh, Ra- uh, James said, he's the father of psychology, that someday someone would find unifying principles. And that's really what these principles are, is it unifies everything because it helps explain every single psychological experience that a person has. And, and then once you understand how that psychological experience is created, then you intervene in a way that helps bring the person back to their innate health, back to that state of mental well-being. And it happens with every person in every um, in, in every situation. Like it's all the time that the principles are at work. They're not the treatment really, but it's helping people to awaken to how they work that provides the treatment. Because then you stop contaminating yourself with your own thinking. You start, you stop uh, living life backwards. You know, like Joe Bailey used to say, it, it's like driving your car using the rearview mirror for guidance. You know, it's <laughs> like you, you run into a lot of stuff. You have a lot of problems. You have no clue why it happens, right? So that those that ability to create different thoughts about things is really a product of the principles. So people can say, no, you got to go back in the past. You have to analyze that. You have to take people back in the past they had in a different lifetime, right? Like past therapy regression. There's like um, different ways of dealing with everything. But once you start to see how reality is created, 
and not what we're creating. We're looking at really the function that these principles play in creating our experience. Then you're able to uh, see how it works in everybody all the time. And then you can see how to help them to get back to their health. Right. Whereas if, you know, if I had a sore throat and I went to 400 different doctors and they all gave me a different treatment, I'd start to think like, hey, they don't really know what they're doing here. (laughs) You wouldn't have a lot of confidence in them. And I think that's one of the problems is because people go off in their own belief systems. Like they see, sometimes they see like, like a piece of the principles. They have some understanding and that's really kind of the, what actually helps people. But then they contaminate it with other thinking that they have. So like um, one of the, in marriage and family therapy, the postmodern world as taught in schools is that it's focused on how people's thoughts create their reality. But they're not really focused on how people's thoughts create their reality. They're focused on what people are thinking and and how that works in their reality, right? Yeah, so it's close, but it's still no cigar. But there's yeah. enough truth in that that if you talk to people about their thinking and how it could change and how that could make their reality different, they can drop into that understanding that's already in them. Like we already know how it works at one level. So when you point people in that direction, that they can get some relief from it. But then we also go to analyzing all that, and now we're back in our thinking again, right? And so that's how we contaminate it. So there's pieces everywhere. There are pieces of this, but the principles bring it all together and and create this understanding that works with everybody all the time, no matter what. You know, it's, it's when I was first reading uh, the principles, the person that I first heard about that from was uh, Dr. Bill Pettit, who's a psychiatrist. And, um, and, I, and I was asking him, because I didn't know anything about psych the details of psychiatry. And I was in the medical practice management business. And I remember sitting there and asking, well, how do you know, like whether somebody's anxious or fearful or, you know, whether they're um, depressed or whether they're, you know, they pick out three or four different words that they could be that are all in the diagnostic, not diagnostic categories. And he said, I don't worry about that. And I said, well, then what's your definition of, you know, when people come in and they're upset and stressed and anxious and all these things? He said, I just look and I see them and I see that it's the weight of negative thinking taken seriously over time. And it manifests differently in everybody because everybody thinks somewhat differently. Everybody lives in their own separate reality. So I don't, I don't need to worry about that kind of detail. And I thought, Oh, wow, that makes so much sense. I remember just the naive little me that didn't know anything about the whole world of psychology at that time. That was before I went back to school. But I was thinking like, oh, yeah, that makes so much sense. The weight of negative thinking taken seriously over time. And when he said that, I remember thinking certain ideas that I had that were negative about my life and about me that I had thought for a long time that really bummed me out. And I thought, oh, yeah, when I'm not thinking about that, I'm not bummed out. That makes sense. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's, that's the power of principles is when you see something at a deep enough level that you're making a universal 
across the board statement. Um, you know, it just, it's simple and it, it speaks to people's understanding, the, the natural understanding, the innate understanding we have of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we call them spiritual principles because they're before form, right? And the world of beliefs is the world of form. So when, when we do this, and so another, another area that this inter- intersects with is with religion. So people frequently mix up spiritual with religious. Now, religion can be spiritual, but spirituality doesn't have to be religious. So, you know, sometimes people say, well, is this a religion? It was like, oh, God, no, this is just talks about how people create religions because everybody's religion is just their beliefs. And their beliefs seem like they come from a deity or from a higher source or somewhere. So they really believe that this is what, what they believe. And that's everybody, we all have our beliefs about different things. But I think sometimes what happens when people hear that the principles are spiritual, they start to equate them to religious. Yeah. Yeah, and that can, that can become a problem because my experience talking about the principles in large groups, for example, is I remember this one particular training where I was working with hospital volunteers and they were from a number of hospitals and many of them were religious affiliated hospitals. So there were Catholic hospitals and Lutheran hospitals and Methodist hospitals and so on. And so um, at the end of my first two hour session, we take, we were taking a break and a bunch of people came running up and one of them said, Oh, you know, I'm a Methodist and I so resonate with what you're talking about. It really, it just speaks to my religious beliefs and then somebody next to her said, well, I'm a Baptist and we don't have anything to do with Methodism. And I, I said the same thing. I felt the same way. And then somebody else said, well, I'm Catholic and I work in a Catholic hospital and I'm with nuns all the time. And, you know, they talk just like you do. <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, it, it's okay. You know, because I'm not talking, I'm talking to your, the spirit behind your belief system and all religions have in common the idea that there there's mystery and reverence and awe and people want to uh, be grateful for however they got here and whoever they are. So there is a, there is a spiritual fundamental spiritual impetus that causes religious thinking gives people a desire to put into form, you know, the way they want to express their gratitude, their awe, their reverence, whatever it might be. And when they do that and somebody's talking from that place, from the idea that, you know, there's a spiritual energy behind all things in life, they go right to their beliefs and they go, oh, yeah, that's that's why I believe what I believe. And there's a truth in that. It is. But it isn't what you believe. It's that you can come up with a belief system that means something to you. And then once we start thinking about it, you know, it's like thinking about the spiritual is kind of a waste of time because as soon as you think about it, now you're, you've come down several levels of consciousness because it's really something that's beyond our intellect's capacity to think about, but yet we can know it. And that knowing, like I remember people used to say that to Sid, especially psychologists, they'd say to him, well, can't you just say that it's your belief 
And he said, and that you don't really know that you don't, because he would say, I know this is true. And, and they'd say, well, can't, shouldn't you just say that it's what you think is true? And he goes, no, I know that it's true. Why would I say I think it when I know that it's true? You know, and, and that's kind of the, of course, it came to him through thought, but nonetheless, he saw something deeper. And what he talked about was his best way of talking about something that was formless. Unfortunately, we get caught up just like in our last episode, we were talking about how we get caught up in stories in our story. Well, we get caught up in our thinking about about a higher level of consciousness or a higher being or a, a, like somewhere we know that's true, that there is this higher level of intelligence, that there's this, and, and, and we make up stuff about it. And every what people make up is what they believe and everybody's different. So we have all these wars over whose religion is the correct one. And yeah. what, what Sid would say is that, that everybody has the truth there, but it, you, you want to take a look at what other things you attach to that because that's where people focus their attention. So they focus it on, on things that create fear in them and f- create uh, hostility towards others and that kind of thing. So it, it gets a bad rap then because that's where the focus is with people can be not always you know like some people are focus on the truth that's in the religion and they move into a really beautiful space and they live a beautiful life and you know like even the hospitals you were talking about run by by religions because there's that truth that we should help our fellow man and we should do right. good in the world and help people and that's all good but you do have to remember that what we're talking about in the principles is not a belief it's just a description as best we can about how the, the spiritual energy of life provides us with these gifts. And that's what creates our experience of reality. Yeah, and the, and the principles really talk about something much more than just us. I mean, we, we talk about mind, thought, and consciousness because we're humans. We apply it to ourselves. But it's really talking, the, the principles explain creation. You know, they and and it's very interesting to me that um, years ago, Sid was invited to speak by a person who had been listening to him, who was a physicist, to speak to a group of MIT educated physicists, and uh, and he fearlessly <laughs> went to speak to them, and they uh, were supposed to talk for an afternoon, and he ended up spending two days. Uh, wherever they were, you know, that, that they just kept wanting to talk to him more and more. And they were saying, you know, what you're pointing to is what physics is trying to prove. We're, go- we're trying, scientifically, we're trying to get behind what is to see how it got there, you know, to explain the origins of the universe, to explain where things came from. And he said, you know, the, the physicists were very humble and very willing to listen and very and looking very deeply at what we were saying, what Sid was saying. And and they and they weren't doubting it and they were thinking that, yeah, that's what we're looking for, but we can't as soon as we try to prove it in the lab, we can't, you know, because you can't. The prin- principles you can find evidence for the truth of it, but you can't go back before the principles. There's nothing before them. They are the origin story so to speak yeah 
Yeah. So that, that's just where we go. We go uh, walking out into the world of what we already know and we kind of rearrange it and call it this, like, oh, that's this. Oh, that's that. Rather than starting to see how we're the same and how we create our experience, whether it's in psychology or religion. You know, so when we talk about the spiritual nature of this, we're not really talking about a form that someone creates talking about what they believe the spiritual nature is truly and how we should live in accordance with it or not. We're just talking real basics. This is how it works. You know, up to you what you do with it. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not here to judge you or, or understand you or anything. We're just helping you to see how it works. And then you change your own life based on what you see. And it's interesting, I was in a discussion with a group of uh, religious leaders at one point uh, at the university where I was working, and one of them asked me, well, then how do you explain good and evil? How do you differentiate between good and evil? And I said, well, you differentiate in, in the actual fact of the of the words that are spoken or the deeds that are done, but the origin of good and evil is the same. It's the same power that the power to think. And I, and I remember sitting there and coming up with the example of a hairdryer versus the electric chair. I said, electricity doesn't care. You know, you plug it in, it'll work. And so you have to look at, and the principles are, are, are even before electricity. But if you think about it, it's a power it's neutral, it's there, it's constantly available, it's constantly creating, and whatever you plug into it and you push the button, the, thing, the darn thing will work, you know? And so whatever, whatever ideas that you plug into that process of thought, you know, and that you bring to mind, they'll look real to you. It's because the principles are not a, uh, they're not a moral principle, they're a fact of, the truth about the origin of thought and the origin of form. Yeah. That's why people can think to do and act on really um, horrendous things that the rest of us are going like, Oh my God, how could they do that? Right. Well, that's just the nature of the principles. It's not, there's not a judgment or like a, a, a virus detector in your thinking. So the only, the only thing is your own feelings, but if you don't know that your feelings are alerting you to, to what's going on with the state of mind you're thinking in, you're kind of screwed because consciousness makes whatever you think seem real. doesn't care. It's impersonal. doesn't have a mind of its own, in a sense. Yeah, and so the guidance that we have is the feeling state that we find ourselves in and understanding that feelings are shadows of of our thoughts. So the feelings are telling us, you know, if, if I get a feeling, let's say I'm really angry and I get a feeling that I just want to scream at somebody, you know, I'm just really upset. That feeling now at this point with this understanding of the principles, I recognize that feeling is, is not something that's driving me to action. It's something that's informing me that my thinking is a little off. So that feeling, instead of yelling at somebody, I'll go go to my room, so to speak. I'll go sit quietly till I calm down. Because I know that, um, you know, that feeling tells me that my thinking is taking me in the wrong direction, that I'm taking the wrong thoughts seriously. So 
goes back to the original example I gave is the weight of negative thinking taken seriously, you know, and I know better now. It's just that simple statement. I realize, oh, negative thinking creates a desire to do things that you don't really want to do or to say things you don't really want to say, or you know, feel bad. And that's not what I want. So I have to not take them seriously. That's all I have to do is just go, oh, yeah, those are just thoughts that are passing through right now, and I don't need to do anything about them. I don't have to judge myself and, you know, run to confession or anything. You know, I just have to realize. And I, and I think that that makes uh, just understanding that our beliefs can get us uh, in, into judgment. You know, whether we're judging whether somebody's, you know, mentally ill or judging whether we're bad people or something's going wrong. And the principles just explain where judgment comes from so that you can look for wisdom behind it. If you don't feel wisdom behind something that you're thinking, then don't take it seriously. Yeah. That's really kind of a sign that you're too caught up in your thinking when you're into good and bad, right and wrong, true or not true. You know, it's like getting into arguing about, about what's, what people's beliefs are is, as we know, a really bad idea because their beliefs look like they, they come from some higher source of truth. And, and, and so, you know, through, the to- through time, we have contaminated a lot of really beautiful truth that, that is inconsistent with the principles and, and does really come from enlightenment. From, but then we start thinking about it and we add all these rules, you know, like, well, in order to do it, you got to do this and you have to do that. And that's, yeah. So, and that's where it diverges. So people will look at it and say, oh, this is the same. Cause the same thing happened to me when I did a, a talk, one of my early talks, I, somebody came up to me afterwards and said, oh, this is just like Christianity. And the next person came up and said, oh, this is just like Buddhism. And the next person came up and said, oh, this is just like Adler. And I was like, okay, wow. Isn't that interesting? That what, because people are thinking while they're listening, they hear in it what's, what matches with what they think already rather than hearing something deeper. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that's true. Well, I think we did it again. You know, the, the only thing I was just thinking about is that just remember that when we talk about the spiritual nature of these principles, the spiritual nature of humanity, we're talking about a formless energy that you can tell when it's missing because, you know, you're in a casket. You know, it's yeah. like there's, there's something missing. Whatever that is, that's what we're talking about. And as soon as you try to put it into words, you get complicated, right? So like we were talking about the DSM-5 is like gotten so thick now. You can barely have – pretty soon you're going to need two books to go through yeah. all the, the illnesses, Right. And if you study religion, you know, they have all these books on what any religion, they've got lots of books, people talking about it and getting into the complexity. Yeah. Yeah. So just go toward the simplicity of it. You can always go back and entertain whatever beliefs you want. It's okay. But just know that what this is, is something a little bit deeper than that. Yeah. So I think we've done it again. We've done it again. Yes. Thank so you everyone for listening and have a wonderful week. Yep. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Aloha. Bye-bye.
We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 